Sherelle Parker captured the Democratic nomination for Philadelphia mayor by an unexpectedly wide margin on May 16th. And because of the city's 7-to-1 Democratic voter registration edge, she is likely to become the city's 100th mayor and the first woman in the job. How'd she do that? At a unity breakfast with her former opponents, she gave large credit to her team, campaign manager Sincere Harris and special advisor Aaron Platt. Sincere Harris, my campaign manager, this is a black woman leading a mayoral campaign in the sixth largest uh, city in the nation. With Aaron Platt as as the senior advisor, he's so humble. He doesn't tell you that uh, he worked to transition my campaign from the state house to city council and uh, was clearly the shepherd as we were going through this process. And that, you know, I am proud of the team. I'm KYW City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Loeb. And in this episode of Who's Running for Philly Mayor, we talk to Harrison Platt about how Parker became the Democratic nominee. Okay, so I'm going to start with Sinceri. Um, sure. Okay. You've had a long history in government and politics, uh, five years as executive director of the Pennsylvania Democratic Party, as well as working in state government. But you ended up in the White House. You were working for the president. What convinced you to leave what I have to imagine was a dream job to run a mayoral campaign? I will say yes, it was. I was not just fortunate enough to work in the White House, but I was working in the White House Office of Intergovernmental Affairs. So dealing with state and local government, which is where my my heart is. So it was really sort of the dream positioning within the, the dream job. But, you know, to be honest, you know, Philly is always home. I, I felt like I needed to do some federal service, but always had an eye to coming back eventually. Um, I will admit I didn't plan on coming back so soon, but just, you know, keeping up with home and the headlines and, you know, talking to my mom and my brother, just stuff going on in Philly. And honestly, not not good things. Um, uh, murders uh, with friends and family um, and in communities that I I know and just a, a feeling of unease about the future of the city. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm not just from Philly. I'm like a big Philly homer. I'm a four four girl, Philly's Flyers, Sixers, Eagles. Everywhere I go, when you when you talk to folks who work with me nationally, they will tell you how Sen is the big uh, Philly PA girl. So um, I couldn't sit in DC while home was sort of on fire. And it was sort of the convergence of a, of a number of things. That was a motivating factor. Um, knowing the mayoral race was coming up, um, figuring I might just support someone from from afar, but then finding out and talking to Sherelle that she was serious about running and always being impressed with Sherelle. She's sort of a force of nature. And given where I feel the, the, the moment the city was in and the type of leader Sherelle was, and I look at her and honestly, I see a lot of the things I would want in a leader, I see myself, I see her represent the, the sort of grit and natural sort of filliness um, and sharing a lot of ideology and, and and philosophy about how we get back to being a hopeful city and realizing um, Philly's full potential, which I feel like we've, we've come close to it in certain times, but never really fully reached. And honestly, thinking that you know, I, I had some some self-doubts whether or not I was the, the best person to, to do the job. But, you know, because I, I know the city, because I'm from here, because I'm from the neighborhoods, because I felt like I could help channel Sherelle and her voice. 
what I just one day was like, you know what, let's, let's do it. And I, I gave very short notice, but um, I, I honestly could not imagine sitting on the sidelines or being anywhere else um, while this mayoral race was going down. Okay. And had you ever been an actual campaign manager? I know no. you were. No, like you said, I was the executive director of the Pennsylvania Democratic Party, but I had never directly managed a campaign on the Biden campaign in 2020. I was the senior advisor, so Brendan McPhillips and I were sort of a tag team, but this was the first campaign I directly managed. That's a testament to Sherelle's faith and leadership because she also didn't blink in making that decision. So I will be forever grateful for her giving me the opportunity. Okay. And Aaron, you worked for Governor Ed Rendell, became a political and policy consultant, which is how you and Sherelle met in 2015. So I guess you were a natural go-to for her mayoral campaign. Yeah, so um, Sherelle kind of pulled me aside and said, we're going to start working on this. It was about three years ago. And on Sundays, we would have meetings with her and a couple of other advisors, Tanya Cook Artists and Ober Knodel. Um, As we were putting it together, as we were crunching the numbers, figuring out the strategy, figuring out where our fundraising opportunities would be, one of the things that, that we identified in the 2020 election was Sherelle and Sinceri got to know each other when Sinceri brought uh, Kamala Harris to Sherelle's literal backyard for her first event after Biden had picked her to be his vice presidential running mate. Yeah, I was and, there. Oh, <laughs> uh, so Sherelle and Sin got this great relationship. And from that moment on, Sherelle had her eye on Sinceri. So it wasn't just that Sherelle didn't blink. But she was really, really focused on finding ways to bring Sinceri into the fold to kind of complete our picture. So you go to work. Sherelle resigns from council the same week as two other members. And shortly after, Alan Dom, eventually Rebecca Reinhardt, Helen Gim, Jeff Brown enter the race. Gim and Brown seem to shoot straight to the top. But Parker is kind of mired with Green and Sanchez kind of bringing up the rear. Now, I'm guessing if I ask if you were worried, you'll say never a doubt. But did you see a path to victory as 2022 drew to a close? We put together the numbers on this about three years ago, and we said we needed a little bit more than half of the black folk. We needed 10, 15, 20 percent of the white vote, depending on the different wards and communities we were talking about. And that's what we ended up with. We've had a long arc on this campaign that 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 has really we, we've really were able to hit all the points along the way. So in 2022, as 2022 came to a close, Sinceri had just started and and we were just kind of getting off the ground. But all of this early noise and ideas that people had about the race was was not really relevant to our path to victory and we saw it but it wasn't that that was something else that was peripheral that wasn't how we were going to get to where we needed to be yeah i would add that um i've I've seen a lot of campaigns and normally you have to be ready to adjust because just the natural inherent twists and turns of a campaign messaging changes issues don't typically change but sometimes they pop up or grow and you you end up in a position where you didn't set out thinking you would be but this race really from the beginning we were all aligned on what we thought the p- path was we stuck to it i'm honestly kind of shocked and in an awe how it really unfolded um the way we had planned and set out 
honestly, you know, as we started to gain steam, people would say, oh, wow, you know, how are you feeling? And I, I, I said, I always felt like we would be here um, outside of Election Day, when on Election Day, you really you wake up with all the nerves um, in the world. But throughout the entire campaign, we really we knew the key endorsements we needed to hit. We um, knew the messaging. I would add one other kitchen cabinet advisor. That's um, Will Dunbar, who, when he came on a little later, um, just reinforcing that we, what we all knew and needed to lean into, which was Shirelle as a mother and showing that side of her, because we knew that that would strike the right balance uh, between um, needing to, as she says, restore order back to our streets, but coming from a lived experience and a background where that was going to be with compassion throughout the way and, and striking that balance that we can walk and chew gum, we can have safe streets and law and order. And folks can feel safe going to school, going to the playground, sitting on their porch, but yet um, making sure that there is no room for, you know, police mis- misuse or abuse um, and holding bad cops accountable should the occasion arise. There was something she said to me about you guys, her her team. Let me play it for you. They were very meticulous uh, and methodical. You know, this is our plan. This is our strategy. Follow it. What did, did she say she actually did? No. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, what did she mean? What w- what were you telling her to do? What was your strategy and your plan? I think we were acutely aware as we studied this race that the 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 challenges especially black women Democrats have with fundraising. Would she be able to raise the money? And we were fortunate. We had a lot of individual donors, but we knew that with the support of the building trades, of the Carpenters Union, of SEIU, that we would be able to really get that boost that takes us into the stratosphere in terms of being able to compete with millionaires and people who have wealthy family and all of this other stuff, and and really, truly long-time professional connections into communities of great resource. That, that- that- Trill didn't have. That's true. And traditionally, Black candidates don't have. And that, that could be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, but then marrying that, which was really important for just having the resources and credibility as a campaign, just showing that we can be competitive. We were never going to hit the Allen Down <laughs> numbers or even the Jeff Brown uh, resources. And honestly, some of the other um, well, Weller resourced um, campaigns. But marrying that with building out a coalition. People think Sherelle just sprang up from the machine. And, you know, I'm not going to deny that she's a part of that, you know, infra- democratic infrastructure because she's a ward leader of the highest black turnout ward in the city. But she was not, um, I would say, everyone's first choice. Uh, when you when you looked around January, February, March, we had to go and make the case um, amongst different political families and factions, but build it piece by piece by piece, and you start to see the endorsements roll in, um, I think there's a, a, a sense that people were, you know, just waiting for the right time. No, we had to go and earn those endorsements. And I think one of the biggest signifying moments was, you, you know, if you pay attention to Philly politics, we can be kind of cliquish. Um, and there's sort of a there's a there's a perception that um, even amongst the Black political infrastructure that there's sort of the Northwest crowd and you have the West Philly crowd. So um, Senator Vincent Hughes and and, uh, State Representative Morgan Cephas and Councilman Curtis Jones, them coming out together as a group signifying that they were, you know, we're ready to put past 
some of the old way of thinking in terms of political um, families and coalitions. And that was a huge building block. And, and in addition to, you know, the 11 Northeast Ward leaders that came out to support um, Sherelle and then very early, very solid support from the Latino community. And I don't want this to go unsung or forgotten um, just how Sherelle, how well Sherelle did with the Latino community after, you know, the 55, 60% support we received in um, majority Black wards. If we look at the Latino wards, Sherelle was 40, 45% of support there, which is, which is huge. Plurality. Yes. Yeah. You know, early on our, our pollsters, Cornell Belcher, who is probably the, the top most recognized African-American pollster in America, said that, that he looked at this and said, the city needs a superhero. And when we think about a superhero, most people can't name a black woman superhero. So we're going to have to define Sherelle as something that people don't normally see. And I think you see that whether it was our introductory video, our first commercial that, that we really stepped off a cliff to get that up on TV. We didn't have ability to fund the campaign if this didn't work. And then all the commercials, including our last commercial that, that, personally was my favorite and we really highlight Sherelle as a working mother and why public safety is important to her from such a deeply personal place. Mm -hmm. And we doubled down on that closing argument because we felt, as you saw some of the undecided feedback, there was a lot of, you know, I just relate to her as a, as a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And we think that that really resonated and made the closing argument for us. You were laying this out for her and you, you made kind of a joke when I first said it, but did she take direction well? She did. Um, there was, I joke because there were certain aspects of our profession, as she calls it, the, what we do. And she likes to say that she'll never embrace like polling. Um, she doesn't uh, t- put a lot of stock in the polls. And I think this race might um, only underscore why, because a lot of the pollsters, and it does come down to methodology. Um, I, I, I do want to take a moment to say that there were many polls that vastly undercounted um, and underrepresented projected Black turnout, surprisingly so because the history would show that in municipal primaries, um, Black turnout had been always been at a certain level. So I'd love to interview some of them and and find out what their thinking was. But um, she, the, the polling is something she'd never really embraced. But in terms of the, the work and, and the plan, she was she was all in and a, and a full believer. And we all stuck to the plan. And every anytime, you know, something happened and, and we, we wanted to check ourselves and make sure we weren't being reactionary. We said, we've got our plan. Let's stick to that. We can't control every variable, but this is what we can control. And she was very disciplined. What was so important? For this campaign and this came from Sherelle is that, that we had no unforced errors. There were no mistakes that were made that we didn't have to make. We ran a very, very tight campaign because of it. We always knew the messaging, the posture and the position we, we felt like um, was best for Sherelle and the light we wanted to show Sherelle, just get her in front of people and show her story. Her story is so compelling and she's the best storyteller. And, and we just tried to live up to, um, to, to, to what she can do um, and, and show her 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 potential. Mm-hmm. One thing she said today is that um, she is authentic, you know, even when talking about herself in the third person. <laughs> was there ever a time during the campaign when, as her team, you thought, 
whoa, maybe a little too authentic. Uh, We heard that feedback from other people who felt like they needed to mold her into the shape of what they thought a candidate would be. Internally, when that feedback would trickle down, we would tell people, we, we would tell Sherelle, we would tell other staffers that they were saying, well, maybe if Sherelle did this, that, that we've gotten this far based on who she is. And let me say, I, and, and as a man, I was shocked at how much feedback she got. Everything down to the outfit she wore, mm-hmm. the color of her lipstick. Yep. People were saying, I mean, it was like, maybe you should do something different with your, whatever, your necklace. And, and I, I would just ask her and I'd say, do they think we'll get more votes if you wear a different necklace? Or is this just, you know, uh, unsolicited image consultation? And and I, I think that, that a lot of people, and this is true of women and men, have a certain comfort level with telling a woman politician this, things that they would never tell anybody. I mean, Ed Rendell as mayor had a suit that looked like he slept in. And I don't think very many people were 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 looking at him and saying, Ed, maybe, maybe a different dry cleaner. <laughs> but for Sherelle, everything was game for input and, and criticism. Pushback to that would be any of the forums. <laughs> if you thought Sherelle needed to change something, push around in front of an audience and see the reaction from the crowd. Sherelle connected in a way that you may not get it, but clearly a lot of the folks who are listening and hopefully will be voting do. I watched a lot of those forums and she did stand out sometimes because of what she was wearing. The other candidates would all be wearing dark suits and she'd wear a red jacket. Did you have a wardrobe consultant? That was all Sherelle. No, yes. I I think I could share this. I will say uh, she and I would have the black girl pop. Like, we need some pop today. Like, we got to get some color out there. And she's um, honestly one of the great things about um, being darker skinned is almost every color is like, radiates and, and stands out um and so we we always talked about the pop the lips popping the, the the clothes so um that is something but that is that is a Sherelle yeah, including a, a special blended lip stick that was a oh. little bit of red and a little bit of orange um that was the secret okay so election night there Ooh. was surprise when the mail-in ballots dropped because that was supposed to be Helen Gim's specialty and she was fourth but also because Sherelle Parker was more or less tied for first, which people didn't expect. What were we missing? Sherelle is a ward leader in the 50th Ward. And and like I said, we started hatching this plan about three years ago, but it was in the middle of the pandemic. And what we saw was that, that we were worried that a lot of the a lot of the really super duper voters here are seniors and that they would stop being engaged. But we also had an eye toward 2023 and nobody really knew where the pandemic would be at that point. So what we started doing was talking to people running statewide in competitive general elections and saying to them, you know, it's in your interest that we can make sure that the turnout in the Northwest stays as high as it normally is. But in order to do that, we need some resources so that we can do drive through mail in voter registration. We can really canvas. We can really talk to voters and we have the resources to do that. And we were fortunate that a number of campaigns agreed with us. So starting in 2020, I think we had church parking lots with lines of cars. It looked like a COVID testing center because everybody was masked up and you just pull up, you roll down your window. They put a clipboard in. A few minutes later, they take the clipboard out. 
And then once people did that, they were in the mail-in voting system. So they would get an application with every new election. And we tracked that and tracked how, how many people were continuing to vote, especially in these wards that we expected to be going really, really high for Shirelle. And that continued to do. And that is what we believe kind of propelled Shirelle to that top. And, and it was different because when you really look at a lot of vote by mail and general elections, when you're looking at the entire state, black vote by mail is kind of around, you know, high 20s, low 30 percent. This time it was it was close to half. And that is really the leadership of Shirelle, the organizational structure that she comes from. And the ability to see around the corner and know that 2023 was on our horizon. And we wanted to make sure that every Parker voter had the ability to do it. And I would just add one personal reaction. When we saw those numbers go up first, we were like, one, is this, are, are these all of the numbers? And if so, we're, we're probably going to have a better night than we thought. And then the very, very small couple of words came in from the um, election day vote and Sherelle took the lead and then she just never relinquished the, the lead. So Pat, right. Pat, I did not share Sinceri's confidence. I, I, I was, <laughs> I was, I, I felt, I felt confident up until 8 PM and, and then I was consumed with anxiety. There's a website that, that gives predictions by wards on turnout. It looked like center city was going to produce 20 to 25,000 votes their, their numbers weren't good, but it looked like that. And I was that that was probably um, some of the worst anxiety of my life. Well, I tried to get out of her yesterday, whether she was surprised, not by winning, but by the margin of victory and how early the race was called. We were all bracing ourselves to be there all night. It's a, it's a little hard because as we were going up to break though we think we're in a good enough position where you should get ready to come down and give a victory speech not we're not there yet but you should start to get ready is when all of the it was clear that she was just physically not up up to it so it was sort of it was a very weird weird moment um, unfortunately on on that end um so i can't i don't know that we can speak for how Terrell felt right at that moment because things were sort of all converged but I, and while I, I felt strong, I felt pretty confident after the mail vote that we were in pretty good position. I will say the margin was a was not something I was. I was also banking on a very long night, so it was, it was a roller coaster of a ride. Yeah, you know, it's almost like running a marathon, Pat. That you know, it's all the steps you take to get there, and it's not even when the when the beginning of the race starts, but but the all of the training you have to do to be able to complete a marathon, and then and then you get through, and it's it. it the victory is so finite in its moment. It, it almost feels the scale of it is wrong. Aaron Platt is senior advisor to Sherelle Parker's campaign since Harry Harris is Parker's campaign manager. The race is not completely over. Parker faces Republican David O. in November, so we are keeping this podcast alive. Check back for new episodes throughout the general election campaign. I'm KYW City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Loeb. Who's Running for Philly Mayor is on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.